tuning in. Sluts and Scholars is a sex-positive, shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter. While we love to give advice and resources, please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy. Halloween is usually my favorite time of year. Even though we don't get this much in LA, the fall leaves, the haunted houses, the spooky wind, pumpkin spice on all the things. But like everything else this year, things are not the same. There's definitely fear and spookiness in the air, but it's not the candy corn filled horror films of yore. It's the reality of 2020. I personally love scary stuff, but I prefer fantasy spooky things. Sexy vampires, ghosts that live in manors, banshees that haunt old Irish bars. But you know what? Most of that doesn't scare me anymore. So for this episode, I wanted to dive into some things that really scare me. So we're gonna focus on some really fucking scary shit. Some stories collected by past willing guests. Real 2020 life living in a puritanical, shame-based culture with shitty sex education. I'll start it off. I sat down at the podcast table, ready to interview a guest for the show. In virtually walked Dr. Jasmine Patel, a guest on episode 107. I always learn new things from guests, but this episode has haunted me since that fateful day on May of 2019. While we were talking about abortions and surgeries, you know, light stuff, when Dr. Jasmine admitted that OBGYNs in California are not required to take any human sexuality classes. You heard me right. The doctors that deliver your babies, put IUDs in you, and test you for STIs, most of them have had zero human sexuality education, no pleasure education, and no trauma-informed care. Let that sink in. To this day, I have a hard time referring myself or any clients to general OBGYNs, and I much prefer folks who I know specialize in sexual health concerns. Imagine a nightmare where the person putting their hands in you does not know the actual anatomy of the clitoris. Oh wait, this happens all the time. This next horrifying fact comes from Mistress Justine Cross, and this queen has done some freaky ass shit in the best way. She reminded me that in most U.S. states, there is no consent needed for pelvic exams on women that are under anesthesia. That means that depending on which state you live in, your doctor and or a team of students can use you as a demonstration vulva to learn how to perform pelvic exams while you are unconscious and have not consented. You may wake up having no idea that you were examined or used as a live anatomy demo. In Washington State, according to the Washington State Hospital Association, it wasn't until June of this year, 2020, 
that they made a new law prohibiting pelvic exams on patients under anesthesia or who are unconscious when they had not previously consented. Yes, learning is important, but so is not being non-consensually fondled by a student when you are asleep. And for those of you skeptics who think, well, she's asleep, how could she remember? Know that trauma lives in our bodies. Our body remembers all sorts of things that happen out of conscious memory. And those memories live in our body and can cause trauma responses. This to me is scarier than any ghost. The people we trust to take care of us when we are at our most vulnerable can do whatever they want to our bodies for the sake of science. According to a 2019 article in the Obstetrics and Gynecology Journal entitled Consent for the Pelvic Examination Under Anesthesia by Medical Students, Recommendations by the Association of Professors of Gynecology and Obstetrics, quote, Starting in 2004, states began passing laws mandating certain standards for pelvic examination under anesthesia. As of 2019, seven states, California, Hawaii, Illinois, Iowa, Oregon, Utah, and Virginia have such laws, and others are only considering them. If you only heard part of that, let it be known and remember that only seven states, at least as of last year, have laws against non-consensual pelvic exams while the patient is unconscious. What the what? To learn more, check out that article I mentioned above or read the New York Times article entitled, She Didn't Want a Pelvic Exam, She Received One Anyway. Our next haunted tidbit comes from the fabulous Dirty Lola, and it's all about condoms. First, most people don't know that latex condoms are not oil safe. So, many people are obsessed with this coconut oil, and they also use latex condoms. So they're basically sabotaging themselves because oil causes micro tears, small tears, in latex. So the only condoms that you can use with oil are polyurethane. Another horrifying fact is that a lot of people don't know that unless the condom is specifically vegan friendly, it is not vegan. Latex is conditioned with casein, a dairy byproduct. So if you are vegan and using regular latex condoms, according to the Green Condom Club, Casein is a milk protein, a highly profitable byproduct of dairy farming. This milk comes from cows and sometimes goats. When the milk is soured, the curds and whey are separated, and casein is found in the curds." End quote. So if you are using most non-vegan latex brands, you are essentially having a gangbang with the dairy industry. Another spooky condom fact. A lot of people get irritated and dried out from latex, due to a latex sensitivity or allergy. Latex can cause severe dryness, redness, swollen tissue, and it can feel like you're about to get some kind of bad yeast infection or an STI. Also, the constant use of latex can cause additional sensitivities and allergies. Basically, sensitivities to latex can get worse over time, which is why I, Lola, have to carry an EpiPen and can't be in the same room as freshly blown up balloons. 
Ah, so whatever you do, don't send balloons to Lola, but do check out her Twitter and all of her projects at Dirty Lola. And using a barrier method is important if that's the kind of birth control that speaks to you. So just because latex is something that doesn't work for you, there are so many other ways to protect yourself against unplanned or unwanted pregnancies and STIs. These next few stories come from Dr. Lori Mintz, psychologist, professor, and author of one of my favorite books, Becoming Clitorate, and past guest on the podcast. Dr. Lori says, Sex education in the U.S. is a horror story in and of itself. For example, only 17 states require sex ed to be medically accurate. This means we can and do tell youth value-based lies in sex ed. Similarly, along these same horrific lines, 19 states require instruction on the importance of engaging in sexual activity only within marriage to be provided, and six states require only negative information to be provided on homosexuality and are just keeping a positive emphasis solely on heterosexuality. Dr. Lori also had a client, probably because of this bullshit sex ed, who felt broken because she, like 85 to 95% of women, could not orgasm from intercourse alone. I educated her on clitoral stimulation and she was enthusiastic. However, her boyfriend said that this was bullshit and every other woman he'd been with could come from intercourse. Thankfully, she dumped him. Similar to this, in my practice, I have so many clients who come see me and think that there's something wrong with them because they can't orgasm without a vibrator. So I feel you, Dr. Lori. It is an ongoing struggle. Last horror story from Dr. Lori. Psychologists in training are generally given no information or training on dealing with sexual problems. Period. End quote. Oh, very similar to what I was talking about with OBGYNs not getting any training, and that's why I specifically decided to specialize in sex therapy. So when people call or reach out for therapy, they often think I just focus on sex stuff, and it's definitely my, my forte and what I prefer to focus on with clients, but there's lots of things that we talk about that don't just involve sex, and I, I really wanted to specialize in it because most therapists, including myself in my first master's program, only get one class, if at all, on human sexuality, which is just not enough. And so I often get people coming to my office because they haven't been able to talk to their general therapist about sex because they mention that every time they bring it up, their therapist changes the subject or gets uncomfortable. I would love to live in a world where we didn't have to have this specialization. I think anyone working in the health field should have a much broader knowledge of human sexuality. Uh, but in the meantime, I will take the, uh, the extra money and the extra clients, but it's pretty fucked up and scary. Okay, one thing that isn't scary about this episode is our fabulous advertiser, Dipsy. They may have some scary story options, but only if that's what turns you on. Dipsy is offering listeners a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash S&S. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories and guided sessions that are designed to turn you on and help you get in touch with yourself. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash S&S. 
That's a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsea.stories.com slash s and s. The stories are relatable and immersive, so you feel like you're right there, and there's something for everyone, whoever, and whatever you're into. They add new content every week and even have stories about trying that new toy together, unlike the boyfriend in Dr. Lori Vince's story. During these spooky-ass scary times, it can take a little extra to get in the mood or just to remember to care for yourself, but Dipsy is an opportunity to embrace pleasure and put your well-being first. And for listeners of the show, again, Dipsy is offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash S-A-N-D-S. Again, that's a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash S-A-N-D-S, dipsystories.com slash S-A-N-D-S. Now back to the episode. Another scary thing is listening to my own voice prattle on. So the next story features the amazing voice of Isabella Frappier, sexual activist, pleasure mentor, and intuitive healer. My Halloween real-life horror story is around the way that the Western medical community has taken away power from women and birthing folks. And in the late 19th, and early 20th century in America in particular, we were having rapid industrialization and increasing wealth. And that was when doctors started to become really prolific and and looked to. In 1984, Dr. Luther Emmett released a book called The Care and Feeding of Children. And he advised against relying on in his words, women's wisdom and experience. And here's a direct quote from that book that I would love to read to you. He warns that, and I quote, instinct and maternal love are too often assumed to be a sufficient guide for a mother. End quote. And that only continued to the point where in 1910, nearly half of all babies born in America were still delivered by midwives, but that was becoming unacceptable for the Western medical community, even though they had pretty good birth outcomes. And just as a reminder, the America has one of the worst birth and maternal outcomes for any developed country. So. Let's just remember that while I'm telling you about this. In 1912, J. Whitridge Williams, a professor of obstetrics at John Hopkins University, decided that it was time to promote doctors instead of midwives. And it's important to presence the fact that most of these midwives were working class immigrants and black women, and most, if not all, of the doctors were white men that were wealthy enough to be able to attend this. So William surveyed 120 different medical schools that offered four-year courses in obstetrics and found that many of the professors felt completely unprepared to actually teach obstetrics and very unqualified to deal with obstetrical emergencies. And one of the men who lectured on the subject of obstetrics admitted that he'd never actually attended a live birth So while women, and particularly women of color, had been doing this work for a really long time with good outcomes, they had that completely ripped away from them, that power, that intrinsic knowledge, as as Dr. Luther Emmett said, that instinct and maternal love. But 
It's really only just continued and I could speak for probably too long on the way that the Western medical community have also exploited specifically black women as a way to explore their findings. And in particular, there was a doctor around this time, I think it's around 1910, 1915, who was working on the speculum. Uh, I imagine Pamela Samuelson is familiar with this story, but so he's working on the speculum and he is very well known for developing a technique for repairing tears in the vaginal wall and the perineum as well as repairing tears around the urinary tract and that was quite common at that time and the way he developed the technique that's i believe still pretty widely used today was performing experimental surgery exclusively on a dozen enslaved women without the use of anesthesia it just feels heavy in my heart to even talk about it and it was primarily or i would say probably exclusively because at that time they were considered property and so they were never even paid for their participation and one of the participants he actually operated and did that surgery 13 different times and now he the, those same techniques are used widely to repair those same fistulas on all women including white women uh, with anesthesia so that is really devastating and whenever i kind of talk about these types of things with people they think oh that's so far in the past and it's really really not that was just a tiny bit over 100 years ago it's not in the past and even today when delivering at a hospital as soon as you arrive you get put on a clock and there are pros and cons of that but i will leave you with the fun fact that in the united states c-sections spike at 5 p.m on fridays so uh that's my horror story and my self-aligning or my it's not really self-aligning but the the happy story that i would say is how beautiful and empowering it can be to take your body and your birth back into your own hands and if anyone's listened to my episode on sluts and scholars you'll hear a story that i told about my experience with gynecology and how it turned out to be a really important and powerful moment in my life to really take charge of my body and i encourage anyone who is delivering in a hospital because for some people that's where they're going to feel the most comfortable so that's the best place for you to deliver if it's the place that's going to make you feel most comfortable um, and I do recommend if you feel comfortable doing so declining the gown and wheelchair because I have seen many birthing folk their energy and their mood completely change once those two things happen to them because they kind of tell us subconsciously that we're ill instead of doing this incredible powerful transformative thing and that is my Halloween horror story. The last one comes from an anonymous anal appreciator. Remember, anal should not be painful and never put something in your butt that doesn't have a flared base. At least, that's what we've been told. Here's story number four. 
I was planning to go to a sexy party, and my wife was going to peg me at the party while people watched. To get ready, and let my butthole be excited on the way there, I put in a silicone butt plug that I'd been given as a gift from a sex toy store. It was one of those with a flared base, where the base was a plastic jewel. Unfortunately, little did I know, the jewel pops out, and the base collapses. Which it did, and the damn thing went shooting up my ass like a rocket. All of a sudden, I realized that we were likely headed to the ER, instead of a fun party. I sat on the toilet and went spelunking, but I just couldn't get a grip on the damn thing. My wife asked me what was going on, and I finally told her. She, being the best wife in the world, said, well, let's see what we can do. I was on all fours, spread, while she dove in. I'd never been into fisting before, but this came close. She managed to get a hold enough to pull the deflated base out a little bit, but before it could, it sucked back in like a groundhog hiding from its shadow. I grabbed hold and yanked that sucker out. We made it to the party, but there was no pegging that night. I contacted the store and told them they needed to take that plug off the shelf, but my wife and I have never been closer. So, moral of the story is, if your butt is a champion snacker, make sure that base is really big, and maybe go for design and not cuteness on those butt plugs. Go back to my episode with B-Vibes Alicia Sinclair so that you don't have to go spelunking into your anus, unless you like this storyteller's way of connecting with his wife and uh, want to try a similar way of connecting. Well, if all that didn't scare you, I don't know what will. I know I myself need some coping tools and grounding after hearing these real-life horrors. What can you do to take care of yourself today? I plan on walking outside with my dog and texting some close friends. If some of these left you feeling down, not all is lost. In scary movies, how many times do we want to yell at the screen and say, why the fuck would you go down that dark hallway, bitch? And I know this year can feel helpless and hopeless. It's easy to lose motivation in this 2020 mess. Some things you can do. One, educate yourself. We may not have gotten sex education or a history of sexual oppression in our upbringing, but you can be your own sexuality scholar now. You don't need a degree like me. Take ownership over your own information by following some of the guests from this podcast like Dirty Lola, Isabella Frappier, Mistress Justine Cross, and Dr. Lori Mintz. Another thing you can do is get to know your own body and your rights as a patient in this healthcare system. You don't have to take what your doctor says at face value. For vulva owners, I highly recommend checking out Pamela Samuelson's past guest, who Isabella mentioned in her story. Uh, She has this great event called Take Back the Speculum. Another thing you can do is get involved in policy changes and local community-based initiatives. I've listed so many in the course of this podcast, but if you're looking for a specific one, feel free to email me at slutsandscholars at gmail.com for some resources. Lastly, get a therapist or a coach. You don't have to do this alone. You don't have to be the last human standing in a scary movie. You can walk this path with love, support, and the care that you deserve. Join the Slutty Scholars community now and help us fight back against these scary realities by finding me on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars. And if you liked this episode and if you like supporting this podcast, please leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps. And check out our advertisers. Thanks so much for tuning in and hope you have a good weekend.